Beep boop. Rebooting the lateral show. A sideways look at fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen it's, it's the lateral, lateral show. show. Fasten your, your seatbelts, because here, here we, we go. go. The Lateral Show with your hosts, Herms and McLateral. What is up, everybody? It's another episode of The Lateral Show. A sideways look at fantasy football and the best fantasy football podcast without a check mark. My name is Herms. You can follow me on Twitter at HermsNFL. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, McLateral. What is up, my dude? Uh, yeets and greets people seasons yeetings and uh the ad dollars are getting yeeted out of twitter so i mean like if it's not good enough for the people that make the oreo cookies i'm certainly not giving elon my money that's for sure it's a bad sign you it's know it's a really you- bad sign if you can't get mondelez's like advertising money like i'm pretty sure that they use and like you know uh allegedly let's let's sprinkle that in there rest in peace Jesus and marrow miss miss them little little use of that allegedly but um i think they allegedly like use child labor to make the chocolate like these are not like bastard it's like kind of a thing in that industry that's why like tony's chocoloni exists because it's like purported to be made entirely without like child or slave labor or anything like that because it it occurs in like all these third world nations in these remote areas it's tough to monitor everything i think it's the same thing with like diamonds you know why like having certified non-blood diamonds yeah um little peek behind the world of how chocolate gets made all right enjoy (laughs) um but yeah again not bastions of like the moral high ground uh same with like eli Lilly. like they're not they're they pulled their advertising dollars and we all know why that happened it was glorious yes definitely that that was a fun time i thoroughly enjoyed that one and i am happy to report that this week's episode on the week 11 sunday storylines is brought to you by eli Lilly. wait no (laughs) (laughs) yeah no thank god no uh but yeah no no child labor has gone into the making of this podcast oh no they're the ones that price gouge on insulin (laughs) ah yes there we go yeah yeah. another collateral show does not do Fortunately, but yeah, no, we we got some fun topics to discuss with everybody this week, including uh, what the fuck Raiders? What's going on? Uh, we more than that, obviously, but that's just one thing. Just wanted to tease no. something so that I way. believe the <laughs> quote in the show sheet is "Holy crap, the Las Vegas Raiders are bad." It's not great, man. It's really not great, and there are some really weird things about all of that. You know, we've got some fun stats pulled up for, but you know, before we even get to any of that. Before we even dive into all the other fun shit that we have to talk about on the show, I'm going to hop on my soapbox real quick. Victory lapping injuries is the dumbest fucking thing in the world. It is like, honestly, insufferable behavior. Like, people who spend too much time on Twitter like I do know what I'm talking about. So, like, I'm not going to give that person any more credit than just alluding to it. But, like... Okay, what crystal ball are you working with to be able to know, like, ah, see, that guy did 
almost break his ankle. Ha ha! Like, like, shut up. <laughs> Just stop. Like, it, it, not only is it dumb, but it's in, like, really poor taste because it's like, look, like, this is a very brutal and violent sport that we talk about. Like, this is, like, what this dude does, you know, for, like, not Not job. to mention, <laughs> an injury isn't a bust and i think it's like that is like an actual important point yeah an injury isn't a bust Uh and so to call the guy that's being projected as the wide receiver one a bust because he finished checks notes wide receiver four before he went out with an injury like he's been over the past 10 weeks including a game where he got injured and a bye week the wide receiver four in ppr scoring he's wide receiver three in points per game like the guy's not a bust. Yeah, He's con- just not. Yeah, so congratulations on w- such an expert call on that one, doofus. Like, it's just, I I swear to God, it's there are a handful of things about the, the fantasy I'll, space that bother I, I will, me, and that's I'll, definitely I'll, I'll, one of them. I will them. take this moment to do a little bit of victory lap, though. Uh, I right. definitely talked about uh, taking Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs right at that one turn, like pairing those guys up. Um, currently the number one and number two wide receivers in terms of points per game in PPR. So I, I am going to victory lap that a little. Yeah. And, and look, you know, and part of your reasoning had nothing to do with a freak injury that Not would occur in double little. digit weeks. So big. And because of that, you get to be able to take those types of laps. If you want to victory lap something, make sure the reasoning behind it is something valid. Okay, like, God, I, whatever, that's my thing. I just, I don't know. It it bothered me, and that's the purpose of this portion of the program. So now I'm done with my thing. If you have a thing that you would like to, you know, share and talk about, go ahead, on your soapbox. So um, I do have a thing, actually. So we, we use Twitter, you know, for some fan interaction, as it were, giving some advice, looking up some stuff. Um, and so we also chat through Twitter. So before we hop on the show, I log on to my Twitter account and pull up the messages, click the link you sent. And, uh, today when I was doing that, I noticed in the, what's happening, there's some stuff trending in the U S and one of them is hashtag RIP Jimmy Fallon, which I think is the best thing that has happened on Twitter in my time on Twitter. Like, especially like hashtag rest in peace, Jimmy Fallon, my heart is broken. Photo of Ellen DeGeneres. Gone but not forgotten. Hashtag rest in peace, Jimmy Fallon. Photo of Jimmy. It's just fantastic. And then like Jimmy Fallon is like, Elon, can you fix this? Hashtag rest in peace, Jimmy Fallon. And I'm just like, oh, whoever started this just bravo. Honestly, bravo. Well done. Yeah, I I saw that too. And I clicked on it because I was like, I feel like I would have heard about this if he had like really passed away or something. And then I just like to but to your point, just like random images of just like the weirdest shit <laughs> just like, i was like all right internet you're doing your thing this is this is the version of the internet that i actually appreciate because for all the bad things that the internet creates we do have occasional victories of just absolutely meaningless dumb shit like that, <laughs> that like, it's just oh. so many people it's like it, it, it there's literally 12.4 thousand tweets 
I just thank you all. We needed that in, in this in this in these trying times. In these these are the things times. that we, these are the things that we really needed. <sighs> yeah. So okay. shout out. Well, that's shout it. Out, yeah. Shout out Twitter for doing the thing. Uh, <laughs> for once. Uh, so before we get into our new storylines that we have to present to you all. This week, we have to review everything that we talked about last week. Now, there's going to be some rollover, as there is sometimes between last week and this week. But, you know, before we even get into any of that, we I already said we have to go over it. I'm doing this really well. You are the fastest man <laughs> in one minute descriptions of fantasy football, whatever. Can go over what we talked about. the fastest man in one minute? I guess you could travel the most distance. And therefore, you'd be the fastest man in one minute because you went the most distance in one minute. Um, yeah. But it is the fastest minute in fantasy football. And honestly, um, thank you. OK, last <laughs> last week was like a little esoteric. We talked about like some fantasy football prep talk, uh, playoff prep talk and evaluating injuries. So there isn't a ton to go over this week. So I think we'll definitely hit that minute mark in two one okay so last week we talked about two stories herms talked about fantasy football playoff prep talk just some general notes uh touching on some waiver stuff but also some dsts to snack matchups can make or break you in the playoffs so make sure that you are looking at what defenses are on waivers checking their matchups and then maybe stashing one or two so that you can get that playoff win meanwhile i talked about how we need to evaluate injuries covered achilles acl ankle foot and turf toe injuries feels a bit relevant given that cooper cup is now going on ir with a high ankle sprain which has a four to six week recovery time as we covered so just keep an eye out on that because even if he comes off ir he may not be 100 percent. and that that's it that that only took 43 seconds yeah well there it is the fastest minute in uh, fantasy sports podcasting so you know i think that that definitely warrants getting yourself a little bit of a little bit of an air horn for that effort. Yeah, there we go. You know, and then a, uh, oh, oh no, oh no, it's on a loop. <laughs> oh, no. oh no, I messed up the effects of the show. <laughs> not only can I not introduce the segment properly. You gotta go on mute. Oh no. Oh my god. I am so sorry, listeners and viewers. Oh jeez. Are you kidding? This is the best thing we've ever done. Yeah. Oh man, this is this is this is clearly my fault. This, who gave me a podcast? Who, who decided that this was a good idea? Why do I have a platform? Okay, all right. Anyways, so we're gonna talk about some stuff that happened, and we're gonna talk about stuff that might happen. Well, one of the other things we did go over a little bit last week that does kind of tie into my big topic for this week was, you know, we kind of clowned the whole Colts going with Jeff Saturday thing. And we were kind of, you know, skeptical about that. We briefly talked like, well, we were already kind of nervous about Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman and all those guys anyway. But then. Surprise, Matt Ryan starts a quarterback again. <laughs> they play against the Las Vegas Raiders. And they win, and they beat, <laughs> they beat the. So, like, you know, obviously, you know, like the Raiders have been a nightmare. They have lost so many, you know, fairly close games. Blown, I think, three separate seventeen-point leads this season. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, what the hell is going on? So, like, I decided to look, really evaluate some numbers, 
and just be like, okay, well, are they really that bad? So shout out pro football reference and football outsiders for these stats. So like in terms of scoring offense in the NFL, you know, just for like the points per game, the average this year, 21.9. Okay. So 21.9 points per game. Like that's, you know, when you're just, you know, straight up right there in the middle, the Raiders sit at 22.6 as far as that goes. So as far as like, you know, scoring on a weekly basis, they're about in line with where you kind of want to be. And then like they're, turnover percentage moreover is actually like pretty good it's the they really sixth, don't turn the ball over yeah it's the sixth lowest at 8.1 percent and as far as football outsiders offensive dvoa they are at positive 0.1 percent basically performing as they kind of expected they would for the most part like the only thing where it's like really kind of you know wonky i would say is they have the 11th lowest third down percentage right there at 38 percent. so they're not converting a lot on third down but like in all those other measures we were kind of talking about like you know like they're scoring about where you'd kind of want to they're not really giving the ball over you know turning the ball over away very much and like they don't rank that lowly and so, so the 11th fewest total yards on offense, but if you're also holding on to the ball, you know, long enough and not giving it away to the other team, it just like indicates this is very much just Josh McDaniel's fault. <laughs> like it's now some injuries to Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro throughout the year have not helped. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not just going to say it's all, but like, if everything else is kind of working, but That's like, the thing, like everything else is kind of working. Like Devonte Adams is getting the ball a ton. Foster Moreau, who we will talk about a little bit later in the show is doing fine as a replacement for Darren Waller. Mac Hollins is doing fine as a replacement for Hunter Renfro. Like Josh Jacobs has been one of the best running backs in the league. Yeah. Like it just, just for context about, you know, like, and it's one of the tricky things where it's just like, you know, bad offense does not necessarily mean like no fantasy success or whatever. Also, we kind of just outlined that it wasn't a bad offense, but like whatever. So Devonta Adams, wide receiver five overall in PPR right now. To your point, Josh Jacobs being like super good RB six out here in these streets doing his thing. Now, I mean, Derek Carr is kind of having a down fantasy year. I mean, like averaging 14.9 you know points per game. It's, it's a little bit low, what you know, lower compared to what he had been doing, but like, damn <laughs> like just they're weird to, like for being as like on par with averages like you want to be for an nfl offense the fact that they're currently projected to have the second pick <laughs> in the nfl draft it just blows my mind so like assigning blame is really the thing i kind of want to explore <laughs> yeah like, so i think i've got it and you touched on it a little mm-hmm. so the offense is actually pretty solid uh, and if you look at the expected points on pro football reference, I didn't add it all up myself, but I got to tell you, I bet it's a positive number. Like they had multiple di- double digit offensive expected points. And like their worst negative total was negative 8.49. So the offense is okay, but there are a couple issues. Their third down conversion rate, as you mentioned, is bad. It's only 38%. The red zone conversion isn't amazing. It's 51.9%. They've had 27 red zone attempts and 
14 of them have been touchdowns. But I think we need to address the fact that the defense is actually pretty awful. Oh, yeah. So, the defense has had negative expected points, according to pro football reference and all, but one of their games, which was against the Denver Broncos, where they actually added 6.65 points uh, against the Houston Texans, by the way, in a win, still negative 5.28 expected points. Hmm. Um, so we add all of that up and it equals a terrible, terrible team. So I'm going to turn it over to you real quick because what Pro Football Reference has is a ton of ads and they've all gone <laughs> oh. here. Okay, that was apparently just enough vamping to get through of it. I kid you not, I had three banner ads running at once. Wow, um, that's okay. All right, keep going. Yeah. You got this. <laughs> um, okay, so the things, uh, so again, bad expected points totals, mm. but they also don't stop the other team. So third down conversion we're talking about how bad the raiders third down conversion is their opponent converts 48.7 percent of the times it's a 10 percentage point swing Jeez. and then you get into red zone and this is where it really matters the red zone percentage 29 attempts for <laughs> opponents against the raiders defense 21 of those have been touchdowns the opponents have a 72.4 red zone percentage like it's bad it's actually really bad. In terms of red zone percentage, their league rank on defense is 32nd, and their league rank on third down percentage is 30th. Weirdly, kind of okay on fourth down. They're 10th in the league, and they've stopped uh, more than half of the fourth down conversion attempts. However, uh, there's only been 12 attempts on fourth down, so it's not like there's a huge sample size to go off of. Um, but yeah, it really comes down to they don't stop third downs, and they really don't stop red zone drives like they just don't and so i think this defense is crushing this team and the buck with that ultimately stops at josh mcdaniels it does yeah you know and also uh, to you know kind of you know close the loop on something you brought up because i'm looking at the offensive stats and i you know sorted by the category you were talking about the expected you know points contribution on that side the 13th highest it's really not bad it's really, really not bad you know and like i so I've been thinking about a lot of this and, you know, just in talking and, you know, like other group chats with other people in the industry and stuff, you know, like it's amazing to me how much better this team did last year after the special teams coordinator took over amid controversies of John Gruden being a racist and Henry Ruggs, you know, DUI that you know really you know cast shadows over everything and it's like and I understand that like the defense was a lot more stout last year at that time too but like how you do this much worse than you did last year with a guy that like no offense to I can't even remember his name so like really no offense to that it's, guy it's Rick or Rich I want to say Bielsa or be, it, it's, it, it's he, something on those lines yeah he's he's with the green bay packers now like i do he, so he, whatever like the, that guy like rich basakia yes okay there you go so it's like you did better last year with basakia like in the after and like look like john gruden By the way, and Mike they did better with john gruden john gruden was three and two yeah, so there you go, you know, like, and people have, you know, been really quick to point out, it's just like, well, you know, Gruden and Mayock, you know, like the restocking, you know, effort that they did when they took over. 
a lot of these first round picks have, you know, ended up being waived from the team or, you know, whatever the lone example of one ending up in jail, but you know, that's its own issue. But like, you know, like I get that you can, you know, point to that and have like, that's a huge reason why, but like, even with talking about everything that we talked about, that is not necessarily on the offensive side of the ball and all that stuff. Like, like you said, like the buck stops with the guy that you brought in to like really, you know, turn this thing around and like, I don't know what they're going to do with Josh McDaniels. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Cause like Mark Davis, you know, early in the week, you know, came out with some comments and was talking, you know, just about like, you know, it's, you know, it's like, he's in, you know, first year or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, it'll be fine. You know, like, I, I guess it's good to have that kind of endorsement from, you know, your team owner in that regard, if you're, you know, performing that poorly, but I'm just like, God damn. Like, I just, I th- I remember when this AFC West was supposed to be fun for us, folks. Remember when that was supposed to be a thing? Remember when this whole division was supposed to be, you know, just barn burner after barn burner and how the Raiders were going to be sneaky good maybe and the Denver Broncos were going to, you know, let's ride their way, you know, with Russell Wilson and all this. And just like, <sighs> that has been a massive letdown of the 2022 <laughs> season. <laughs> like, I just, I can't stop thinking about how not even just the Raiders specifically, but just that division as a whole has really let us down in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. So again, like I think with the Raiders, it's weirdly easy to see. So the team had not been managed while going into the season. McDaniels hasn't historically been a great head coach. I don't think he makes the team any better than its expectations. So I think, Rich Basaki actually weirdly made that team outperform its expectations. And so there's this theory, at least in soccer, um, but I'm pretty sure it exists within most sports called the new, when soccer would be the new manager bounce and other sports, new coach bounce. Basically, as soon as you fire the guy who's been toxic in the locker room, whoever you bring in is going to like, let's win one for the gaffer. Like, let's get in there. Let's do the thing. And so I think like the rest of the Raiders season was kind of like that. Those players wanted to play for him. And I think they felt like a little maligned by the fact that they hadn't done anything wrong. Like Derek Carr hadn't done anything wrong. Those guys hadn't done anything wrong. Their coach was just a piece of crap. But unfortunately you have to sometimes suffer the consequences when your boss is a piece of crap. Like that is how the real world in fact works. True. Um, So then we look at this year's Raiders team and they brought in a guy who's been a historically bad defensive coordinator. I mean, he's been a defensive coordinator with Miami in 2019, the giants, the past two years, Um, they were okay in 2020. But aside from that, like over four years, it looks like his teams have on average been like the worst in terms of like one of the worst in terms of like guards and points allowed. So I'm not expecting like amazing things from that team. Yeah. I mean, Belichick had him for years as a positions coach, but never even thought of like promoting him. It seems. Jeez. Um, so there, I mean, there's that. And then I think, you know, when you look at, so you got, McDaniels, who's already a little inexperienced when it comes to being a head coach. True, yeah. Not particularly good at it, even in the experience he has. Their offensive coordinator's literally never been an offensive coordinator before. 
ever. Yeah. And then, you know, and before that, he was a wide receivers coach for the Patriots. Like, not the position group I think of as being amazing. No, not at all. <laughs> you think of the Patriots. So they've got a relatively inexperienced and not great defensive coordinator. They've got a completely inexperienced offensive coordinator, a relatively inexperienced offensive coach. So yeah, in crunch time situations when intangibles matter, they're falling short. And it's because they're just not well coached. And I would argue the defense already poorly constructed. And so is just not meeting those expectations because there are some players that should be difference makers on that defense. Yeah. And it's just not mattering. Yeah. Cause like they gave a lot of money to Chandler Jones, like Max Crosby already being an incumbent piece. Like, you know, like that, that front that applied a lot of pressure to the quarterback last year just really has not been the same. And like the secondary, like it was going to be a work in progress, you know, cause as we talked about a little bit before some of those, you know, early round picks no longer being with the team, you know, even coming into this year, let alone without the departure of Jonathan Abram at safety. Like, it, I don't I know. Mean, this this team has 10 total sacks. I think Nick Bosa has 10 total sacks. Yeah, dude. Like, it, like and so. we talk about Max Crosby. Max Crosby has been the one lone bright spot. He has seven of those sacks. Yeah. Like they do not successfully pressure the quarterback and it turns into giving up points in key situations. So we just really shouldn't be that surprised that this team is that bad. Granted, it is a bit hindsight is 2020. We thought that the talent would win out. And I don't think anyone really bothered to delve too deep into the inexperience of the coaching staff behind McDaniels. I think we dealt like a little bit into McDaniels own inexperience. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think we took the full step beyond that. So it's like a little unfair to like, just go like, Oh, you know, we all shouldn't like, we, we all also kind of missed, but in retrospect, we all really should have known. Like, the signs have all been there. Yeah, so, I mean, like, obviously not a ton of, you know, fantasy, you know, for, you know, this part of my topic. But, you know, it's sometimes, you know, football talk is a big part of what we do in fantasy football anyway. Because if you can't look at the football side of it, then, you know, it's important to have these skills. But, like, I mean, I do think it is fantasy relevant, though, because you got to now look, you got half a season left. Can you rely on any of these guys? And I think outside of Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, the answer is kind of no. Foster Moreau only because of positional scarcity. We'll, we'll get only to that later. Because, yeah. So and then I like, think Mac Collins, if you're in a deep league. And, but, but then rely, I think, is a strong word for either of those two guys. For sure. I think they're playable, but I don't think they're reliable. Devontae yeah. Adams and Josh Jacobs, I'm playing them every week. And if they give me a dud, I just go them's the breaks yeah so i i guess to kind of bring it you know more you know to the fantasy side of things not nearly we're not going to discuss this nearly as long as we discuss the raiders thing but like you know just to kind of update on you know the clowning that we gave the colts last week uh this is a i segment. stand by it by the way we will as get to I. that after this but yes. i stand by it 100 percent. absolutely uh this is a game that i've made up on the spot called uh really or not fam uh, so now that we, uh, now that we know that it seems like Saturday kind of wants Matt Ryan to, you know, be under center, let's just operate under the assumption that this continues to happen. So that performance that we saw from Jonathan Taylor on Sunday finished as the RB one in week 10, it's been a struggle for him as of late, but like, can we ex- like, okay. The question is like, are we expecting him to be able to do that moving forward? Like, 
really yeah or not fam closer to really yeah than not fam i think they are going to lean into feeding him the rock i think that it a has worked for this team i feel that b someone like jeff saturday on his like couch tweeting out the raiders are bad is going to look at that team and just go oh they should really just feed jonathan taylor the ball and he's kind of an o-line minded guy so he's going to be like we're going to have a stout o-line we're going to run it up their gut you know we're going to like we're going to do the thing so like they got some tough matchups and um by the way next week you know we're just going to get to it now that team is going to get crushed by the philadelphia eagles and all of a sudden everyone's takes about jeff saturday are going to look right it's fine um but you know against matchups like the pittsburgh steelers maybe you know you could probably run on them a bit los angeles chargers week 16 you know it would not shock me at all if jonathan taylor has some big games left in him this season um but because it's not an amazing team if he comes up a little short one week i'm not going to be shocked i think the thing that's like really happening is he's going to continue to get a ton of volume i think that we will see i'm 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 definitely with that for sure you know like it's about time that that draft pick really started to pay off for people. And like, it was really through like no fault of his own or anything, but you know, it's just like, it's, it's one of the unfortunate things about fantasy football sometimes. And then, you know, we talked about it. He lost some explosiveness potentially with the injury he had been dealing with. And so looks pretty good last week, you know, TBD on that, but we had talked about it. His like broken tackle numbers had gone down. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, and then uh, a couple more. Uh, Let's go. Michael Pittman, now that he showed he could be, you know, pretty solid again, you know, with that performance, uh, you can trust him again in your lineup. Really? Or Nafam? Lean in Nafam? Lean in Nafam. Like, I I get that, but like Ryan's back, you know, it was better with him. So, yes, (laughs) they are better with Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan is a better quarterback. Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than Sam Ellinger. He just is. And he's a much less mobile quarterback than Sam Ellinger. So do I expect Pittman to be better than like the last couple of weeks under Reich were? Like, sure. But do I expect this team to be amazing and therefore for him to like be back? I would say not, fam. You're still probably going to have to play Michael Pittman in the flex. I don't know how many better options you're going to have but I'm not going to feel good about it. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can get down with that for sure. Like, honestly, if I could avoid playing Michael Pittman next this week, I would. They get the Eagles. Like, yeah. I would avoid that. No, I'll be mean, honest, dude, like in our home league, especially like with, you know, how much I really, really need to win now. Like, I'm really trying to keep Pittman on the bench if I and can, like, at least think, next week. Like, I think there's a lot of people that have been talking about Paris Campbell, which you can stop me if this is what's coming up. There you go. Okay. <laughs> um yeah paris campbell again he's someone that like matt ryan may raise the tide overall on him but like i wouldn't play him next week either again this eagles like the eagles lost to the commanders last week taylor heineke was awful yeah i mean like they just ran the ball down the eagles throat to a degree and the defense looked good like i'm i'm i would i would kind of avoid anyone not named Jonathan Taylor next week and then going forward after that like the Colts don't have the easiest schedule in the world the Cowboys the Vikings the Giants like 
you know, Steelers aren't the toughest matchup, especially if they have injury issues. Yeah, it's true. Chargers like fits and spurts. But like that's a matchup that could be exploited, but like I'm not looking forward to week 13. And then week 14, luckily you won't have to worry about because they'll all be on by week 15. Like there's going to be a serious run of your playoff run where you basically can't use anyone not named Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, just something that I did, you know, want to point out or whatever. Yeah, so I, I totally get where you're coming from. I think that the offense production under Matt Ryan will be better than under Sam Ellinger. I don't think that it will be better necessarily under Jeff Saturday compared to Frank Reich. Yeah. No, I mean, the thing that I was about to point out. The, oh, the, oh, go, the, go. By yeah, because, yeah, like, you know, just, you know, jump to shark a little bit on the Paris Campbell thing, but just like my little uh, fun nugget of, you know, and it's it's fine if your answer doesn't change, but just for the context for listeners. I think and viewers, I know what you're going to drop, and it is a fun nugget, but my answer probably won't change. Fair, fair. So last three games that Matt Ryan has started through week seven, no, six, seven, and this past week. Yep. All right. So like Paris Campbell, we are talking 11, 12, and nine targets. Also in those same three games, 11.7 PPR points, 13 and 13.6. So now Good. mind you, mind you, there's also a touchdown in each of those games. So, like, you know, like, I, we even take away and the touchdowns. Which did you not, say it was again? Six, six seven, seven, ten. Yeah. And ten. So, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, and the Las Vegas Raiders. But it, it's still more about the fact that, like... Matt Ryan definitely likes throwing the ball, the ball to him. That is, yeah. like, a completely valid point. Yeah. I think he's exploited some bad defenses. And again, like, Matt Ryan not, like the worst quarterback as we've seen literally on this team. Yeah. So it's like for, yeah, for me, it's just more about like, you know, like, are we going to expect like, because like to your point, like some of those matchups aren't going to be super easy. Is he going to score a touchdown every week? No. But when you have a guy that's getting, you know, 11, 12 and nine targets from a quarterback that seems to really cling on to him, it's, you know, so I get why someone would like that. So I promise just last thing, just because you mentioned his name earlier and then we will hand it over Completely to you for your next thing. Uh, You kind of mentioned not really wanting to trust Matt Collins, not really wanting to trust Paris Campbell. But if you're picking one of the two, because I'm making you do it, (laughs) who are you you going with? I'm Eileen Paris Campbell in this regard. It's tough. I mean, (laughs) like, I, you know. Can I, can I caveat my answer a little? Sure. Yeah. No, we make our own rules. You know, (laughs) So Hunter Renfro is going to be out for the next four weeks. Yeah, yeah. During that time, I'd rather play Matt Collins. Okay, all right. Because Matt Collins will become the wide receiver two on that team. There's no Darren Waller. There is no Hunter Renfro. As we've already mentioned, the offense, not that bad. And the Broncos, not a great matchup. But then the Seahawks, the Chargers, and the Rams, like, I can live with that. I can yeah. live with those three in a row. So yeah. I, I think for me, like, you know, do I love then week 15 through 18 Patriots, Steelers, Niners, and Chiefs? Not the most, yeah. um, you know, but I, I think while Hunter Renfro is out, I'd rather play Matt Collins. I think 
once either Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller comes back, but particularly Hunter Renfro, probably lean Paris Campbell. So, you know, like by the time you're hearing this, your waivers have already run in your league probably, but you know, like there's a decent chance that both of these guys might still be available for you. You know, just have this conversation. The other, the the other thing mind. I will say is I think I'd rather prioritize Mac Hollins if the two are available in no small part due to that week 14 bye week. And I that don't see like a, I don't particularly see like a killer matchup to exploit where it's like, well, I'm going to grab Campbell. I'm going to use him to win this one game. And then, yeah, I have to cut him maybe in week 14, but that is what it is. All right, yeah, fair, fair enough. All right. I can definitely get down with that. Thank you for indulging me with this unnecessarily long topic because I realized how long it took to discuss that. <laughs> I'm, down, I'm down to both simultaneously trash Josh McDaniels and trash Jeff Saturday. Uh, it's a pretty solid Tuesday night, if you ask me at that point. Uh, well, you wanted to play a game, so now I want to play a game. <gasps> yes, Breakout or Blip. And so let's start with the running backs. Brian Robinson finished RB15 in PPR scoring. Breakout or blip? Does Taylor Heineke retain the starting job for the Washington Commanders? Rest of season. Like that's kind of like, but but like honestly, like that's where I'm so hung up about this because Taylor it's like, Heineke will be the starter the rest of the season. And you can use that if you want for this scenario. But I'm telling you right now, that is what will happen in real life. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of expecting that too. So by virtue of that, I don't, I would not say like 26 carries is a blip probably, but like in terms of, you know, the run heavy trend of the offense with Heineke under center, I, I don't think that that's necessarily going to go away. What we have seen this team do when he's under center is, you know, take the ball out of his hands a little bit more often, lean back on a run. Cause I mean, that's just what you do with, you know, quarterbacks that don't have like a flashy skill set, And like, it's, proven effective for this offense so as long as heineke's doing that and like you said like i think he's probably going to be out there for the rest of it too like yeah i I believe in it the thing that kind of bothers me is what happens with antonio gibson during this time necessarily how do they split it moving forward because he did kind of get a little banged up in that game against the eagles so it's like assuming full health for both it kind of complicates the floor and ceiling for either one of them but like i could i could dig the brian robinson vibes all right, all right, all right. Um, I'm inclined to go breakout adjacent. Like, is he going to be like a top 24 running back going forward? I'm not so sure. Is he going to be like playable in your flex going forward? Yeah, probably. And so that that's kind of where I'm at. By the way, remember like at the beginning of the season when um, they were like, Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams 2.0, Gibson or Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, right now, yeah. Antonio Gibson is 103 rushing attempts and Brian Robinson is 93. Admittedly missed four games due to a minor flesh wound. Um, <laughs> but it is kind of amazing that they've basically done exactly that. Yeah, I mean, like, hey, you know, like I said, sometimes coach speak is coach speak, but sometimes they're they're telling you what they want to do. Some, it's, it's not always yeah. bullshit. <laughs> so I, I think for me, the biggest things with Robinson, he's got one thing that works in his favor and against him. And then one thing that works against him. So the one thing that works in his favor and against him is his yards per attempt are not amazing. While that is not an end-all be-all metric, 
it does, you know, like if you're running 3.3 yards per attempt, nobody's going to be like, oh, but really he's killing it. Like people are going to go, you're an inefficient runner. Antonio Gibson, 3.6. So not much better. So I don't think there's anything particularly in the running game that is like screaming, you must make sure player X or player Y gets the ball. Fair. Four targets for Brian Robinson, 41 targets for Antonio Gibson, though. That is a problem. And it is PPR. So for me, that's why I'm like breakout-ish. Like, I don't think he's going to be like a basement. I don't think he's going to like crash back to earth. But like, if he puts up like an RB36 game in between like an RB24 and an RB12, like, it's not going to like shock me. For sure. Yeah. You know, and I, I will just, you know, say very quickly on Robinson, like coming in as a prospect, I was not like, you know, over the moon about him. You know, I, I don't know how efficient I was bullish on him and I wasn't even over the moon on him. Yeah. You know, but like the, I I see the refrain on Twitter all the time. It's been like, wow, it's like he looks so bad. It's like, OK, like, look, did I ever think he'd be a superstar? No. But like you fine. try getting shot in the leg and coming back a month later to play a contact sport. OK, he, he also like he looks fine. He doesn't look amazing. He doesn't look like the next guy we're about to talk about did last week. He looks fine. Yeah. Like, uh, and I don't know how much better he's ever going to get. But like, yeah, yeah. We, we have to understand he, he the man a, was shot. He, he could be a, like. <laughs> like he could honestly, he could be like Mike Davis, but not so good at catching the ball. I could see it. Yeah. You know, like respectable. Yeah. But yeah. not, like, you know, so, fine. Yeah. Um, but unless he's going to get like insane volume. And I think like Mike Davis recently, you know, he just hasn't had the stamina for it. Whereas like Brian Robinson hopefully will for a couple of years, you know, then maybe he does something with it. Uh, but one guy who definitely did something with his insane volume was Rashad White, who finished RB25. <laughs> in PPR scoring. Now, granted, RB25, not what we typically think of as a breakout game, but when you run for over 100 yards, I'm calling it a breakout game. So, Rashad White, breakout or blip? I am absolutely just here for all of this, definitely calling it a breakout, and I am stalling because my computer is very slow, but, like, dude, I... Look, this guy absolutely incredible human being first and foremost i had the distinct pleasure of being able to meet him kind of and talk to him over the course of you know the off season oh here we go yep there it is okay all right time to share the screen you know because this is you know it's like i don't get to flex all the time man you know like these are just important things for me to be able to do periodically and i'm gonna do it so you know let's go folks uh doing the thing uh yeah dude yeah there it is pretty good you know so it's like look you know rashad white i am personally invested in watching this man do his thing so like you know shout out you know him taking the time to be part of the hayden hurst mental health potathon you know like just it be even beyond the football field like i just his willingness to be open and vulnerable about that means a lot to me personally but then bringing it just you know back to you know the football stuff because you know i always like to just you know talk about that because he's so nice he's so nice entering week 10 from weeks four through nine he was the rb 34 overall in ppr scoring not so much because he had heavy involvement running the ball but as we talk about a lot with these tom brady offenses over the last few years dumping off to the running back is a huge thing and white had already really secured a healthy enough role to at least be somewhat of a flex option for you and 
I saw, you know, a report from, it's a Greg Almond or Almond. I don't remember how to pronounce his name, but he's a beat reporter for the athletic that covers the Buccaneers. He's thinking that this isn't going to go away. He thinks that the team really wants to keep Rashad white heavily involved, which is why he was my number one recommended player in my waiver article that dropped. So like, I hope you all, you know, because he, well, first of all, he'd been in the article multiple times already this season. So he should have been on your bench the whole time. But like, I, I hope people cashed in on that because even if it was kind of in relief for, you know, for the, you know, hip pointer in the fourth quarter, like, he got over a hundred yards, man. Like that, that's not nothing, dude. Like Rashad white is talented. His skill set fits what the Buccaneers offense wants to do. And we've kind of been waiting for it the whole time. Anyway. Are you right ready now. for me to rain on your parade? Damn it. All right, fine. <laughs> Going blip. Uh, but not, not a massive blip. So I don't think he has this type of game again. I think there's a couple things going on Fournette did pick up the hit pointer injury. He's going to have a full week to recover and he'll be good to go by week 12. Tom Brady likes his vets. And so I think they will be inclined to keep Fournette active in that offense. Now the things going for white are he did do a really good job and he Uh is talented. I think we might've found Rojo. And I mean that as a compliment, remember when Rojo yeah. Was doing a lot of the running and not a lot of the catching, which is weird because we expect Rashad White to be a pass catcher. But yeah. Rashad White had zero targets last week. That is not true. a one. And so I think Rashad White may, in fact, get a committee role in this offense where he kind of runs the ball a fair amount, but he doesn't really get the targets and he doesn't really get the end zone work. And so I think ultimately he'll be nothing more than like if you were a zero RB guy and you're using him as an RB two or as a flex. Um, But I think there is potential there. I do think Leonard Fournette is still the running back you want in this offense though. Cause the other dirty little secret is like, yeah, Rashad White's efficiency was a bit better. He did bust out a nice 29 yard run. Mm Mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette still went 57 yards and a touchdown on 14 rushing attempts and had had nothing to lose the game and had nothing to lose the job and had not for, uh, had it not been for Tom Brady slipping, he would have had a really nice throw too. Like that, that trick, (laughs) that trick play was pretty cool, man. It was was a good throw. (laughs) So yeah, you know, and and I think it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because all like, Hey, it makes sense. They could easily cast Rashad white in that role, but like, I was always I was encouraged by his skill set as a receiver, but I always thought of him more as a capable receiver versus like a natural receiver. Because right, it could be a case of like this is the better version of Rojo. Where like Rojo yeah. really couldn't catch the ball out of the backfield, but they still wanted to throw to him occasionally to keep all like defenses honest. Yeah. Like Rashad White can actually catch the ball. Yeah. And like the other part of it is like on top of that is the fact that like for as much credit as he got for being in, you know, at least again, in my eyes, because I whenever I'm evaluating running backs, I put them into those two categories, capable and natural, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. more of them end up in capable than they do natural. But like he ran well fairly well between the tackles in college you know what i mean like this idea like yes like was the pass catching a facet of his game that would be interesting for us as fantasy players yes but like 
it does kind of get lost how just genuinely good of a runner he is too. So like from that standpoint, like I'd be really interested to see it if they do that. I think it would be very successful for them. Okay. Well, let's move on then to our final running back. Isaiah Pacheco finished RB 38, but had 16 rushing attempts for 82 yards. So I think he belongs in this conversation. So breakout or blip. There is a breakout running back on this team, but you named the wrong one. So I'm going to go ahead and oh, say, okay. Yeah. So this is a Jerick McKinnon podcast. Now this is a Jerick McKinnon. podcast. <laughs> so like, look, blip from the standpoint that there have already been Pacheco blips where there have been games where he is the mop-up duty guy that comes in, takes over the work, does whatever, blah. Like he's had games of like, you know, higher carry totals and it's just like, oh, maybe they're going to turn it over to him now. Huh? And it just doesn't work out. So like I recommended both in the waiver column because it's like, okay, well, if you want to take, you know, kind of a sneaky shot on Pacheco, like I encourage you to do it, but like, I, I can't suggest that there's going to be anything reliable coming from him, regardless of what happens with Clyde Edwards Delaire and his four snaps against the Jaguars. But like McKinnon hadn't finished outside the top 40 at running back since week four against those Buccaneers we just finished talking about and is now coming off of two back-to-back games of six receptions. Like regardless of like what may or may not come of Pacheco's role, because frankly, even though it was weird for Edwards or Lair in that game against the Jaguars, they would be the ones kind of dueling it out for that role in that offense. Whereas McKinnon is just the standalone, you know, piece in like, is McKinnon just JD McKissick? That's kind of what I'm getting at. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's Pacheco. I think you're right. Yeah. Like Pacheco still has an Edwards Alaire problem theoretically, whereas McKinnon has elevated himself to a point of, all right, you guys go do that. Let me just go do my thing in open space while you figure out this other bullshit. So like, t- like the takeaway from all of this has really been way more McKinnon for me than Pacheco. So like, I, I can't give him the breakout tag. Who who was the running back from Jarrett Patterson? Yeah, so I think Pacheco. It, like McKinnon is. If McKinnon is McKissick, I think Pacheco is kind of like Patterson, where it's like, yeah, if you give him enough volume, he could have a pretty good game because he can run the ball well enough. But I agree. I think it's a blip. I think he may get similar volume games in terms of rushing. I think they will continue to lean on McKinnon in the passing game i think it's pretty telling that when edwards lair was there he got targeted and they didn't target pacheco once so i'm with you i do think it's a blip and even if i'm wrong i don't think you'll be able to trust him and to back up the thing that i said so that i'm not just spouting erroneous shit uh week 12 uh, wow okay i i flipped that week one 12 carries uh, for Pacheco, week twelve would be impressive for Pacheco at this point. <laughs> That's very true. I'm in the future, baby. See, there you go. See, I got the crystal ball now. But no, but uh, so like twelve carries in week one for him, and then two, three. Oh, there we go. Eleven carries against Tampa Bay in week four, and then it's one, two. Oh, eight against San Francisco. Okay, back down to five. Oh, and then sixteen against Jacksonville. Like, so these are these really- are blips. It isn't a blip. This is just what to expect from him. He gets these odd heavy volume games, but it's mostly unproductive touches. And good luck figuring out when they're going to happen. 
All right. Well, in that case, let's move on to the wide receivers. I got four for you here. We'll go through them like a little quicker. Nick Westbrook Akine. Now he's technically, I think, already broken out in the past, but I don't think quite like this. Finished wide receiver five in PPR this past week. Breakout or flip? We've seen him in flashes, not only this year, but also like a little bit last year. But just based off of how this offense functions. For reference, last year, week 11 versus Houston, he was the wide receiver, 18 in PPR, seven receptions, eight targets, 107 yards. Yeah, you know, like, he's a talented cat. Like, I will give him that. But, you know, like... Even like I think it was either last episode or the episode before, like I talked about the you know kind of like subtle jab from Mike Frabel after that Chiefs loss, you know, talking about you know the whole Malik Willis not really passing thing, you know, it's just like who are they really going to throw to, man? Like in a post AJ Brown world, I'm not going to be enthusiastic about any wide receiver for the Titans, like at least until maybe someday we see you know Traylon Burks get healthy and reacclimate himself, but like that's the one short term and I guess longer-ish term that I would be focusing on. Probably not Westbrook Akine, and it's really no offense to him. It's just how the offense functions. It doesn't lend itself well to the receivers. I would agree. I'm going blip as well. And I think one thing that's like kind of telling, um, like Robert Woods still got seven targets. Mm-hmm. It's not like Akine was necessarily the first target mm-hmm. in this offense. Uh, and when you look at the season long stats, Traylon Burks started two games, played only five, has one less target than Westbrook Akini has through the entire season. So I'm with you. I think it's a blip. Now, I'm more curious what you think about this guy who finished even higher. Christian Watson finished wide receiver three in PPR scoring breakout or blip. That performance against the Cowboys that we saw from Marquez, I mean, no, sorry, uh, that we saw from Allen. Oh, sorry, no, that uh, that we saw uh, from Christian Watson on uh, it was pretty good, you know. But it's the uh, it's the type of player he is, man. Like all they did, like so they elevated Allen Lazard to being the wide receiver one, and then they just found a perfect replacement for the typical Packers wide receiver two. Like it's this is what Aaron Rodgers has had in his second receiver over the last several years, man. You know, like all you know, joking, you know, in you know, pretend forty and slips aside, like it's he's the same thing, man. Like I'm interested in his dynasty value. I am not interested in his redraft value. And as long as he is still working on consistently getting his hands around a football and hauling it into his gut, you know, like, I'll which he still struggled with. Exactly. So it's like, I've seen the perspective of like, Oh, well, there's a decent chance of this, you know, the breakout came folks. Here we go. Oh, he, he might, he might have a chance of taking over Alan Lazard as a wide receiver one. Like, bullshit. No, like he's a raw prospect. We've talked about that on this show all the time about like, does he have the tools? Sure. But like for, and I understand, especially with rookie receivers, but like rookies in general, later in the season, those breakouts tend to happen just because they've acclimated themselves. They've adjusted somewhat to the level of play at the professional level. But like, he is not the archetype of player that I am just going to be like, all right, folks, 
there it is. All right. Yeah, there, we're done. Development is done. He is fully baked out of the oven. Like, I'm, I can't do it, man. Like, so I don't I disagree can't. with you. And I think the MVS comparison is apt, especially like his average depth of target this past week was 20.5 yards. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he turned four of those into 107 yards, like, yeah, OK, that kind of tracks. Yeah. Like he was a deep threat. And we saw that from MVS before. And we saw similar struggles to hold on to the ball. And I think it's what capped his ceiling there. Now, I'm curious, though. Do you still think he is like a lottery ticket that you just have to buy and see what happens? Or, if possible, because I've seen both these guys out on waivers in a couple of my leagues. Kadarius Tony finished wide receiver 14 in PPR scoring. So I ask you two questions. Breakout or blip, and Watson or Tony? So as we've established, I'm pretty you know clear about where I'm at with Watson, but I'm I'm on the flip side for Kadarius Tony. I think that's I think that's a breakout, and I would definitely prefer to have Kadarius Tony, especially because like so we just got finished talking about what type of role that Christian Watson fills in the Green Bay Packers offense, like not only from just like an archetypal standpoint of the type of player he is, but also what they're asking him to do versus what Tony does from an archetypal standpoint and what the chiefs are presumably going to ask him to do it. Tony lends himself way better to being extremely impactful in his offense than Watson does in his and there's a reason that the Chiefs went out and made this type of deal. I will caveat, you know, the breakout portion of the question with, you know, we'll see what happens with Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, because like that concussion, you know, like, did, is Juju going to hold Tony back, you know, all the way? Probably not. But like, it'll certainly help matters if Juju Could is a little. It, yeah, you know, but like. At any rate, like, you know, we talk about in fantasy football, we talk about all the time, you know, like what analysts have is their process, you know, and like peek behind the Herms curtain, which actually not really a peek. I think I explained it pretty well on this podcast and always have in the past. Like my whole big thing is like watching players, putting them into archetypal buckets, seeing what that archetype does in the offense that they belong to. Is this a good fit? Is this a bad fit for fantasy? How much opportunity can they have relative to other players? Blah, 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 blah. And then boom, that's how we get my analysis. That's what it boils down to for me. What Tony is good at and what he's asked to do for the Chiefs potentially is going to be more consistently productive and better than what Christian Watson is good at and asked to do in Green Bay. I would agree. I still have some questions about Tony's overall ability to produce in this offense just because it's so good at spreading the ball around to literally everyone. Yeah. I mean, like Marcus Valdez Scanlon got four targets. Juju got four targets before his concussion. So while Kadarius fits kind of a Tyree kill mold in this offense, I mean, they're giving him rushing plays, you know, similar athleticism, though not identical. I still worry that Juju Smith Schuster is probably going to ultimately be the wide receiver that Mahomes leans on when healthy. Uh, but yeah, I would say. It may be a blip, but definitely Tony over Watson. I would agree. Better lottery ticket for sure. Especially I would agree. Like, I would still, if only Watson is available and you got the ability to take him, I'd take the lottery ticket. But if it's the two of them, I would take Tony for sure. Absolutely. 100%. You know, so like that, I'm with you on that all the way. Okay. Well, I got one more for you then. A uh, guy I traded you in our dynasty league. 
Nico Collins finished wide receiver 19 in PPR scoring. Breakout or blip? I would like to call it a blip uh, out. Yeah, a, a blip out. Just because, like, I get it. He struggled with injuries, but also like Cooks has fallen. So okay, Brandon Cooks, players' full names. Uh, Brandon Cooks has fallen so far out of favor that it's really become Nico Collins' time down there in Houston. Like at least as far as how my comfort goes for the remainder of this season, like yeah, I'm definitely with it. Like my more you know kind of fascinating read on this situation is trying to figure out what this means for dynasty managers because that's a whole other can of worms depending on what this franchise does moving forward but at least as far as this yeah. year like look like because like i was asked today like i i commented on a a thread right it was no it was a poll from our our, our friend dave kluge over at football guys talking about you know like which rams receiver would you you know pick now that you know cooper cups out of the lineup you know i responded with something kind of snarky and then somebody replied and it was like hey you know so like would you drop Brandon cooks for van Jefferson? And I was like, well, I mean, the way things are going, I mean, like I wouldn't, I, wouldn't. I would, cons- I said, I would consider it. I never, I didn't say yes, but I said I would consider it. And the fact that I even considered it says, and the reason it's relevant obviously is because it says everything about like, given the certain circumstances that we're talking about and like given certain trends, one of these trends is Nico Collins. Like it's, he's doing well <laughs> yes I, I just think van jefferson isn't the right wide receiver like if you told me alan robinson was available on waivers like i'd consider maybe dropping brandon cooks for alan robinson and seeing what that lottery ticket does i think we've just seen what van jefferson does and none of it is called being the wide receiver one in an offense i just i just my thinking was just like you know because obviously the three options that people laid out you know robinson skoronic and you know van jefferson i'd really rather have skoronic than jefferson I just I just felt like from a player type standpoint and like assuming they're going to ask somebody to, you know, mop up not all of but some of the Cooper Cup duties. I like the Jefferson skill set to replace mm-hmm. that better. But and if I'm wrong, well, okay, well I can always okay. agree to disagree there. But I do I do <laughs> like your point overall on comments. Yeah, like that's why I agreed to do that trade, because I was just like, look, like I sent you like. A decent compensation, but nothing that's going to kill me if it blows up. But also, like, if it does, like, oh, we're both going to come out winners on this because, like, I don't think he's ever going to become like a, you know, offensive player of the year candidate. Correct. But- I don't even know that he's necessarily going to survive regime change completely. I certainly don't think he suddenly elevates to being the wide receiver one in that team. And I, always, and I always kind of felt that, you know, just based off of the type of player that he is, I mean, he's kind of, he is your go up and get it X that you know like you don't love to build the function of your offense around it like i kind of figured his cap would be a wide receiver too anyhow so but but either way like what the lines were maybe hoping for from like dj chark this year possible you know so like yeah you know it's it's interesting for sure but you know also just wanted to quickly point it because it was kind of funny like my my answer to uh the the poll was uh (laughs) uh like i think i said uh technically correct van jefferson actually correct answer no one (laughs) there's your rams advice folks none of them avoid this offense like the plague (laughs) yeah I i would say for me technically correct alan robinson real answer no one i'm with you there uh for nico collins i'm personally gonna go 
it's not a blip that he's going to lead this team in targets. But the wide receiver 19 finish might be. So I'm not going full breakout yet. Only because it is a bad offense. For him to finish that high, like it basically requires finding the end zone. Yeah, like just he got 10 targets and still like almost fell out of wide receiver two territory. Exactly. Not amazing. Uh, speaking of like not amazing, but guys we hope will do well. The bonus round. We're ending with the tightest end. This is the last part of the show before we do the plugs. Jawan Johnson or Foster Moreau? They were tight end four and tight end five, respectively. Who do you want between the two of them? And has either broken out? Cole Komet. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, between the two of them, uh, I have to go with Foster Moreau because we don't know if Dennis Allen is finally going to grow a pair and move it back to Jameis Winston. Yeah, that's my biggest thing. The same I sure thing- hope he does, because that's my starting quarterback in Scott Fishbowl this week. Yeah, dude, like, look, like I, I bring it up just because, like, it is super relevant, not only for Juwan Johnson, but like honestly, kind of just like for the other pieces of the Saints offense. You know, like Kamara has been a little bit, you know, ick at times. Chris Olave has been even more ick at times. And we would like both of those guys to be good. But like they're two and five with Dalton as the starter. I just I can't reliably count on anybody as long as they continue to trot out Dalton. Whereas like, you know, Moreau, like it's not pretty, but kind of like I was saying earlier, it's like. He's shown in the past he's pretty talented. I think if he was on a different team not behind Darren Waller, we would consider him a streaming tight end every week anyway. So, I mean, like, I'm going to I'm gonna roll with that. So I'm going Foster Moreau as well. And I get that people are going to point to Juwan Johnson having finished the tight end two in week seven, tight end eight in week nine, and tight end four last week in PPR and going like, how could you pass on this guy? And the answer is going to be a combination of Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill. And it's like, I like Juwan Johnson. I would like them to free Juwan Johnson. I actually think Juwan Johnson can be a more than serviceable tight end in the National Football League. Like, I think he can get it done, especially as a receiver. Yeah, we saw it through like the first, what was it, three weeks of last year? Like, this is not the first time we've had conversations about Juwan Johnson being good. But I just, I find his volume in terms of targets rarely translates into decent production whereas foster moreau i think he does a bit more with the volume that he gets and foster moreau has not seen less than four targets in a game he's played this year Jawan johnson has had games with one target and two games with two targets and to me potential like that is a red flag yeah well, so i i i get the Jawan johnson stands out there i am actually with you in spirit I just don't think it's going to be sustainable long-term. I feel that. I feel that for sure. And it also glad to get tight end content on the show. You know, definitely love it. One of our favorite things to do on top of our most important favorite thing to do on a weekly basis is help you, the listener and viewer become maybe just a little bit smarter, maybe just a little bit better and walk away with a piece of knowledge from the lateral show, a sideways look at fantasy football. If you want to follow me on the social meds, you can do so by finding me on Twitter at HermsNFL. If you want to find uh, some of the other you know stuff that I do in my free time, uh, I write 
a handful of articles on a weekly basis over on the fantasy six pack.net website and including my waiver wire article that, you know, if you want to, you know, fantasy six pack.net slash plans, get behind the paywall, read the whole thing. You know, like that's, that's, that's how you can do that. You get that, you get the DFS tools, award-winning rankings, all that plenty more of the discord community. I think, did I say that? Whatever, not the point. Like you could do all sorts of shit. It's like pretty cool. And then I also, uh, in my day job, I'm an associate NFL editor over at clutchpoints.com. So if you want to see some of my musings, Oh, there we go. Yeah. Very good. Uh, you can, you can read some of my shit there. Uh, and that's pretty cool. Um, and then much beyond that, I did, I don't know. I, I got the Capitals reverse retro jersey online today, but the Alexander Ovechkin sold out, so I just got a blank one, damn it. But, you know, my, minor on my soapbox at the end of this before I turn it over to you, but I just had to say it because I'm sad. All right, so Mc- <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, last year when I got my reverse retro Alexander Ovechkin jersey, I basically panic bought it because I was worried if I kept looking for the TJ Oshie jersey that they were all going to sell out, and I just didn't want to not end up with one. So yeah. I feel you. I do. Yeah, there we are. All right, so there we go. Thank God. All right, so now that I've got my bullshit out of the way, why don't you go ahead and tell people what you are up to with the things that you do on the internet? Well, I got. we got to make sure the bills get paid. So I do have one last plug that you need to make, I believe. I oh, believe. right. That's true. Yeah, I've been really slacking on that lately. Not because I don't love Thrive Fantasy or anything, but, you know, just like if you like playing DFS, but you're more in, you know, kind of the prop pick realm, you can use promo code HERMS, 100% match on your first deposit up to $100. So definitely do that 100%. Hey. All right. Well, as always, it is your boy McLateral, a.k.a. McLateral FF. You can find me on Twitter at McLateral FF or at Mac McMillan ATL, which is my main account. Uh, so, you know, as always, drop the heat check every week. Got, of course, another one coming out this Saturday. I've just realized that you can see the entirety of the screens I'm looking at throughout the show on my glasses. <laughs> you just which, figured that out. <laughs> I didn't realize it was like that noticeable. Like I knew you could see some glare. Like I've always seen the ring light and stuff like that. I didn't realize that like if I zoom in enough, you could probably read our show sheet, um, <laughs> which is kind of wild. Um Speaking of reading, you can also head over to Tom's Guide, which is where I do my day job writing all about the latest in tech, entertainment, and gaming. Uh, today was a lot of self-repair stuff for computers. Uh, Apple is coming out with a uh, little bit of repair stuff. Um, what was it? Oh, yeah. They are uh, allowing sell- same device repairs. You can go to a technician, get your device worked on there in front of you, sent home with you pretty cool if it pans out and then microsoft announced it's going to partner with a major u.s retailer uh they did not feel inclined to share which one uh to uh, have a bunch of repair uh, service stations possibly just for their surface devices but possibly more we'll see but so those are pretty cool uh and then you know i've been messing around with some vr stuff so wrote about a little psvr2 news today and i'm looking right now at the meta quest 2 headset that i really need to break out some more um but yeah so that's my day job and then of course again you know fancy six pack.net get those plans check out herms's stuff behind the paywall and check out my stuff in front of it it will not steer you wrong and uh i think that's it i think that's the show
Follow The Lateral on Twitter at The Lateral FF. Beep boop.